You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to interviews with cast and creatives from Lin-Manuel Miranda and John Chu's In the Heights in theaters on June 11th. Hello and welcome to Black Hair in the Big Leagues. I'm your host, Alicia Thomas, and my heart is thumping. Please help me welcome Daphne Rubin Vega. And I am so excited. You look so beautiful. Um, I wanted to start by saying, okay, so Ham- the, the show Hamilton today has made like musical theater mainstream for a lot of people who aren't in, in theater. And back when I was in the seventh grade, that show for me was Rent. It was the first show that I'd ever been exposed to. The first cast album that I purchased and listened to more times than I can count. And before I realized who you were, I was listening to your voice for so long. And so, it's such an honor to meet you and to get to talk to you today. I want the first thing I'd like to ask you is being a part of such an iconic cast as Rent, being a part of the In the Heights movie, being in like a whole person of color version of Streetcar Named Desire, being a part of like these shows that are so inclusive. Have you ever felt like have you ever felt like a token? Have you always felt like it's always been inclusive? Or do you have any other perspective of that? Um, <clears throat> yes, to the first question, I have felt like a token. Um, sometimes I didn't even realize that that's what it was. Um, you know, I, I grew up um, like normalizing spaces that didn't look like me. I grew up in many spaces where, where people didn't look like me, even in my own home, you know, um, uh, you know, my dad, my mom, my mom passed when I was young. So, and my dad was, you know, an Eastern European Jewish descent American, you know? So, so, and, you know, it feels really good to be part of, the movement that changes, like that, that, where the needle gets moved a little bit, you know. As they say, the the arc is long and wide, but it definitely leads towards um, something closer to equity. It's not really um, something that we can really, some of us can see. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and I'm wondering. I'm like. 
it's one thing for all of this to be a part of the conversation right now, but before it was like actively part of the conversation, like all of this diversity inclusion, walking into these rooms, into these spaces, into these audition settings, even before you got the job, did you ever feel like, like, can I do this? Why am I here? Or did you feel that confidence out the gate? I'll tell you, I'll tell you what what happened when when rent exploded and was such a such an unexpected juggernaut. <laughs> um, I, I had conversations with people who were in the industry, who knew more than I did, who meant well when they said, this is an anomaly, Daphne. Don't think that this is going to happen every day of your life. And it's not because you can't do Chekhov or, you know, um, uh, things that you've studied to do in school. It's because the world is not ready to perceive you that way. Because um, I remember thinking, like, why can't I play Sally Bowles? Um, for example, that's just an example, but you know, so, so it just, it, it just goes to show how, how things kind of have, have changed a little bit, you know, but, but need, need to change really what needed to happen was for, for us to start telling our, our own stories, right? Because it, it, you know, which is so different. Um, it's not trying to do three sisters, um, which is fine. Um, we can cut our teeth on these things, but to tell our own stories is so much more powerful. Oh, I love that. I love when you said, why can't I play Sally Bowles? It makes <laughs> me feel like, like having, you know, as a child, you're being, well, I don't know everybody, but like being told you can do anything, the sky's the limit. And then we grow up and put these limitations yeah. on ourselves or yeah. the world does or whatever. And it makes me feel like, well, why not? And to continue with that, with that. Well, the thing is, is that like, you know, I can't play Sally Bowles, but Sally Bowles could play me. And so that's changing a little bit there. Do you know what I'm saying? I know yes. you do. Yes. Okay. I have, oh, wait, first of all, I want to know when you were in rent, I, I have no idea because I could not tell. Was that your natural hair or did that you? That was all me, honey. No way. Not one. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Come I, on. I, 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 I need to boast because those days are over, but that was every single hair on that, on, in that head. You wore mine. your hair eight that times That was my week. hair. Like, I was flat, freak flag flying. Oh, I was that's amazing. The flag. It's so beautiful. <laughs> I, I haven't gotten to see in the Heights movie yet. Oh, I cannot wait. I know you're so excited. I know you're so excited because everybody else is. Um, okay. With the, whatever, I don't have no idea what you're going to look like, all the things with your hair design. Is it, did you have any say in that or were you just like, do whatever you want? Like, how does it, how did you approach? Um, I, you know, we, we, we have say, we have, we have agency. Like we, um, I don't think, um, anything was imposed, you know, I mean, you know, it was like, here's, here's what, what we're got, we have and what we're thinking and, and it was like, okay, let's see what I can work with and play with and and help create. You know, I mean, I love clothes. I love self-styling help. You know, I love makeup. I love playing dress up. And, um, and so, you know, it's really fun when you get to have a character that that enjoys playing dress up, you know, more than you do. <laughs> right? That's so cool. Um, okay. Now this question is, it can be a little, a little leading because you're iconic. 
Thank and you. because you're welcome. You're so welcome. Because you're like an icon, it might already be a given. But when you are on set, whether it's for a movie or you're on stage or backstage for Broadway or anything else in between, do you, as a person of color, feel seen as a woman? Feel seen. And I say that's leading because because you are who you are. It might just be a given. No, nothing is a given. Um, for in, in the Heights, yes, absolutely. I've worked with Kiara Hoodies also um, a few times for many years. And in certain rooms, definitely feel seen. Um, I, you know, I worked um, on, on a show called uh, Empanada Loca, which was a solo show. Um, written and directed by Aaron Mark at the time for Labyrinth, and I felt seen. Um, and then we can move into other spaces and like go into our makeup and hair trailers and be like, <gasps> you, you know, I don't feel seen, right? Um, and so, so really it, it feels imperceptibly slow. But I, I do. I'm, I'm a romantic. I feel like it's, it's, it's morphing as we speak. But yes, um, you know, and you never know how much you've missed not being seen until you are. You know, sometimes it's like I didn't know that I um, was lacking this. <laughs> you know, I'm not crazy. Yeah. You know, a lot of this this work that we're doing to just shift the cultural gaze ever so slightly um, is incredibly powerful for, for those of us who are like, oh, I didn't even know I was missing this. Right. You know? um, Daphne, I think that's all the time that we have already. And I just wanted to say thank you for your time. You're so beautiful. I don't know if you styled yourself today, but it looks- Thank you, Salisha. Gorgeous, and thank you for your time. <laughs> yes, peace and blessings. See you next time, and enjoy the film. Hi, this is Dory Berenstein from Deep Dive Broadway and the Broadway Podcast Network. I'm thrilled to be talking today with Olga Meredith and Jimmy Smiths, stars from the film In the Heights. I am so excited to talk to you. Congratulations with the film. It's spectacular. Um, and, and Olga, I can't tell you how many times I saw and loved you in, in the original production of In the Heights. Um, you both have fascinating history with this show. Uh, of course, you know, going all the way back to the beginning, Olga, uh, uh, in, in the original production. And Jimmy, yeah. I understand you were the announcer for uh, the TV commercial announcing for In the Heights a long time ago. Uh, is that right? They, they just, yeah, I mean, I was just so impressed when I saw the uh, 37 Arts uh, iteration, the Off-Broadway iteration. But I had heard, even before that, I have a good friend that I went to college with that um, worked at the drama bookstore. And mm. he sent me an email that there were these kids that were doing this reading. So that was even before. Yeah, that was. Yeah, exactly. I think these kids, this, these kids are right. the real deal. He said <laughs> the next wave. But I, yeah, I, I, when I saw the the production at Thirty Seven Arts and 
off Broadway. I was just like so wowed. And I remember my wife and I would just looked at each other and said, this is what everybody has been waiting for, you know? Um, so after meeting these guys and, and talking to Lynn, um, after you guys made the move, they, I said, I, I want to be able to help in any way I can. So that was, that was my little contribution to do a voiceover for the Broadway commercial. Uh, amazing. Olga. But to be able to watch Olga, <laughs> yes, but her stuff and all of the different, and now to see her on the silver screen, and, and your your work well, with production, you know, was to the readings before, and you well, were. I I started. Um, I was telling Jimmy that I started readings and workshops before off Broadway, and I was playing another role, and then Broadway, and then. Who, who would have thought in a million years I'd be where I am? I'm, I feel blessed. But I have the story when, when I was talking at the very, very beginning with the workshops, I would tell my, my agents, I don't know these kids. They're rapping. I don't know. It's, it's, like, it's like they have, they're rapping. I, I, I don't know. It's got a lot of heart, but I mean, I'll do it. See what happens. It's like <laughs> the rest of history is so was, crazy to me to think that. I was sure that you knew this was going to become a major motion picture at some point. No, that that wasn't. Uh, <laughs> no, not when I was doing the readings. Of course not. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, I understand that, that um, you all have also worked together. Uh, Jimmy, I know you were played Lynn's dad in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And Olga, you were in the same show together. So as this was all coming together, I imagine there was some, since you were uh, working together on, on that show, that there, there was also a continued conversation about should this evolve into a motion picture? Um, uh, you mean, uh, I mean, we, we did, I mean, Jimmy and I didn't work together in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I played Rosa's mom, Rosa's mom. Yeah. Uh, with uh, uh, Trejo. Danny mm -hmm. was the played my husband, but but I know Jimmy from way back in the eighties. The New in York, and I was in doing a, a play at the Public Theater oh. with his wife, and 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 Jimmy would come and pick up his wife. I think they weren't married then, right? You were not. I'm not. No, no, you were going out, and so I know him from way back. And and we've bumped into each other along the way in mm -hmm. this industry and all its different facets. It's all circles. It's all <laughs> well, circles. Right. And who knows what's to come? I love that you're both theater people. That means the world, you know, Olga, I enjoyed you so much in, in Mamma Mia, in Les Mis, and Man of La Mancha, and Jimmy, uh, blown away by Anna in the Tropics uh, and God of Carnage. I'm curious for both of you what the creative process you move. You both move so seamlessly uh, from television to film to Broadway, you know, back and forth and all over the place. But but moving um, this story to the screen and your creative process, Olga. I know your character has gone through some evolution, but but performing um, for a camera as opposed to a giant audience. What for you is 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 the difference in your creative process? I would say, great question, by the way, too. A couple of things. In the theater, you're playing to the last row. 
So it's, you have to have a lot of energy to carry that. And in, in cinema, you are, it's very internal. You have mm-hmm. to have it in, inside of you and you, you just, it's very in, inner work, you know? And when you're singing a song on Broadway, you take the audience and yourself on a journey, beginning, middle, climax, end. And in the cinema, you shoot out a sequence. Mm-hmm. You might do the, the last part first. So you have to be very focused as, as an actor to know where you are, what place you're in, so that you can have that place and, and, and for continuity purposes. So that's extremely challenging. What about you, Jimmy? You know, Dory, after seeing the film recently, I was kind of struck by the the sense of ensemble in the movie and how the relationships just pop um, and the performances because of John's direction are just like modulated. So you do have those moments that are very personal and, and then you have those belting moments and big, but the sense of ensemble, and I think it has to do with the fact that the majority of the cast has theatrical roots. Um, and because there was a, an involved rehearsal, rehearsal process prior to the actual filming, I think it coalesced the group in a really wonderful way. Because it's just, it's just like gear shifts that you do. So, and, and hopefully you have a, a talented director like John Chu that's able to help you modulate um, a performance that like Olga had in, in, in the Paciencia and Fe sequence, which is such an out of sequence thing that she had to, and, and was able to modulate. But I, I just think that the, the theatrical springboard that the cast has in a, as an ensemble really uh, pays off big in a big way with regards to the film. It was an exciting opportunity, Olga, for you to to be able to through the film, you know, open up the character and open up all the opportunities for um, uh, engagement all in many different ways. Yes, to really sit down on a New York City Washington Heights stoop and be in a real apartment and the subway tunnels and the way John Chu directed it, he's his visual. His sense of, of uh, cinematic visuals are amazing and the way he, he just breaks that fourth wall and he really, uh, you know, tells the story of Abuela Claudia. It's just, it's just amazing. I just had to be there and everything was happening around me. But, um, yeah, it's, it's impressive. Well, New York really is a character in the show. I just have to say, because uh, I, I, I know our time is up, that, you know, when I saw the show on Broadway, it, it, it was a show for the world. It was, it was so, it was everyone's story. And having seen the film, I feel the same way. This is, you're telling my story, you know, and, and, and I know the world is going to embrace it. And I'm so excited it's out as a film. Congratulations to you both. Thank you. Uh, that so means a lot, Dory. Thank you. Thank you. That means, that means a lot. Um, Olga, I'm sorry, you were going to say something. No, I, I was, I'm glad you said that because these people are, these themes are universal. 
about family community and the music. It doesn't matter if you don't speak the, the language or the slang or whatever, the music will just, is just, it'll cut right through and, and the dance. Couldn't agree more. Thank you both so much. Enjoy all of this. You're going to make so many people so happy. Pleasure. Thank you. The movie we need right now. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a little bit of joy. Very much so. Thank you. Thank you, Dory. Thank Bye. you. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally, the host of Musicals of Cheese on the Broadway Podcast Network. And I'm lucky enough to be talking to Kiera Alegria Hudes, the screenwriter for the film In the Heights. Thank you for sitting down with me. I really appreciate this. This is wonderful. I'm so excited. I'm just going to get right into it and I'm going to get some nuts and bolts questions out really quickly. Um, I'm very curious about screenwriting for theater, theatrical like styling. So like my I saw the film on Sunday. Wonderful, wonderful movie. But I'm very curious, how do you write action lines when there's dancing? Do you get into the specific nitty gritty like here's what happens with this line or you'd be like they dance. <laughs> That's I love that question. I mean, I'm such a like writing nerd, you know, so I could I could go on and on about the technicalities of it all day. Um, it varies number to number if you were to look at the screenplay. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, if you were to look at uh, when the sun goes down. Um, that was a late that was probably the last musical number we decided on what to do with it. We weren't sure. John and I kept talking about it and talking about it and. And, and it was completely his idea to do it on the side of the building. You know, he came to me, he, he pitched that idea. I was like, absolutely. Cause I, I like Nina fell in love when I was a teenager and that's how it felt. It felt like gravity works differently, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so in the screenplay, because that came late after I'd already written the, maybe the shooting draft of it, it's very minimal. It's just, they dance on the side of the building. <laughs> You know, and it's left to John to storyboard. It's left to the choreographers to storyboard. Um, and they had to do a lot of um, like really interesting gravity trick work to make that happen. And so even when we brought in those specialists who were kind of playing with the centers of gravity, they changed the storyboard a little bit too. And then Lynn wrote a new like musical thing. So that's very minimal in the screenplay. I'm trying to think of one that's uh, much clearer in the screenplay play like the finale. Okay. There's a lot of dance in the finale. Um, but I have beaded that out much more clearly because there's a lot of information revealed in this and plot revealed in the finale also. And so, um, you know, we change settings. We go back and forth from here and there from Washington Heights, Dominican Republic. And I, I had to really closely script out those beats. And then the choreographer took them and John took them and made them into the scenes that they are. But that was much more closely crafted. Mm -hmm. I, uh, speaking of that framing device, like, was that your introduction or was that John or was that wh when did that it become? Because that was not in the original show. That was mine. Um, and <laughs> Yeah, you know. It's for a few reasons. One is mm -hmm. when you're on a, on a theater stage, the set is the block. You know, we can't go to Abuela Claudia's Cuba. We can't see it. We mm -hmm. can't go to Usnavi's Dominican Beach, but we can on screen. And why wouldn't we? These places are rich. Also on stage, we can't go in Abuela Claudia's living room. Even going in her living room, I had to rewrite her scenes with Nina because it, that's a much more intimate setting, mm -hmm. you know? So those scenes became much more personalized because they're not, a, you know, out in public on the block. Um, 
so yeah, I, I was like, I want, I want, I want to see Usnavi on his beach. I want to see that. That was just an instinct I had, but I didn't know how. I tried it a million different ways. And then I came up with the framing device and I said, you know, he's, Usnavi is older and he's telling the story of his block in Washington Heights. And what that gave us then, the the domino effect of that is that then we get an even younger generation than Sonny. And that's when I knew this is really right for the movie because it has always been in the Heights, it's always been a multi-generational piece at heart. But for Sonny, the, you know, 16 year old to no longer be the, the new generation, actually for there to be the next generation coming up, that was really exciting to me as a prospect. Oh, you're going to make me cry just thinking about that. Yeah, that's wonderful. And <laughs> you tricked me because I, I, I'm watching this. I'm like, we're going to go in a whole different direction than the stage show. And then I'm like, oh, you did it. You, we got there. <laughs> um <laughs> But that that was a great like transition to my next question, which is in adapting from one medium into another. And I I don't believe you've ever done that. Like you've adapted work before and changed work, but you've never changed it from like stage to screen in this way. Um, were there any speed bumps where you're like, how am I going to make this work? And what were they? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the things I, I cut a beloved character. I cut mm -hmm. many beloved songs. I don't mean beloved to other people. I mean to myself, you know, yes. and... Um, those cuts tended to come from those difficult decisions tended to come from it just me just not being able to make it work in the screenplay. Mm -hmm. um, so for instance, um, a song like everything I know, mm -hmm. this is Nina's power ballad before the before the Broadway show finishes, when she realizes her dad is right, she's got to go back to Stanford. Um, but she realizes why and is kind of ready to rise to that position again. Um, it's a breathtaking song on stage. And I've been working on this screenplay adaptation for 10 years and I could not get it to work. It kept feeling like we get to that point in the screenplay and it would actually like oddly get boring and it's not a boring song. And what we realized is, you know, a close up of an actor does that emotional work that that song does on stage. And so we we were like ahead of the song. We already got it. That's why it wasn't working. So I, I tried my hardest, but really in, in reality, um, that song works best on stage. So I had to then therefore like make her journey and her turnaround point different. And her turnaround point comes with Sunny when they go to um, mm -hmm. an immigration uh, rally. That, that makes perfect sense. And it also makes it so that the stage show and the movie are very different things, yet both very perfect in their own mediums. And that that's great. I do want to kind of talk about what's coming up in the future, because this is a huge year for you. You also got Vivo coming out this year. Yes. What, what was it like writing an animated film? Like, I want to know all about that. It was so fun. I, I can't believe I have these two movies coming out because they just represent some of like the best times I've had as an artist in my life. Um, the thing that was really, there's a million fun things about Vivo, but just to pick out a few, um, creating those characters um, was a dream. And I was able to put some, use inspiration from my real life and the kind of people who did not see themselves reflected on screen. And I was like, I'm turning you into a lead animated character. And those characters haven't been revealed yet. So I'm not allowed to say who they are. Right. I can't wait till they do. And then I'm going to scream it all from the rooftop. Um, another part of Vivo that was so fun to write is it's totally romantic. It is such a romantic movie and I'm a romantic at heart. So to just tell a love story, I was like, 
what movies are like our love stories anymore? I don't know. It seems like a, a genre we've moved on past. So it was really cool to write a romance. That's incredible. All right. Um, here's a pitch for you. I, I really want to know this, but feel free to like be vague as you want about it. What is your dream project? If money, feasibility, and so on weren't like factors into this, what would it be if you were given all the money, all the resources in the world tomorrow? What would you immediately start working on? You know, it might be a book of haikus for all I know. Um, some Sometimes they're big and sometimes they're small. <laughs> you know, it, the answer to that is in the heights. The answer to that is Vivo. I, I just wrote a memoir called My, My Broken Language that's out now. And these are all... These are all my dream projects. Um, you know, I'm, I'm working on lyrics for a stage version of like Water for Chocolate. That's my dream project. So I kind of am in a really, you know, blessed and beautiful position where I can say, is this my dream project? Yes. Great. I'll write it. All right. I think I could squeeze in one more question here. I'm really appreciative of your time. And don't worry, this is not going to be a real question. Um, if what is your favorite cheese? I run a podcast called Musicals with Cheese, and I love getting people's opinions on cheese. I was like, musicals with cheese? Get handle. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what. There is, on the best date nights I've ever had, my husband and I have splurged and gone to El Comento, a very fancy hotel in Old San Juan. And they have a cheese hour. And on their patio, a slice of aged manchego cheese is just about perfection that is as good an answer i think i could ever have <laughs> asked for my goodness um th that was great um since i have a little bit of free time what cheese would you equate with in the heights just a rating of cheese like if you had to compare to it Ooh, um you know probably like an oozy shredded cheese that's just like sprinkled on everything and gets into all the good stuff Perfect. All right. Thank you so much for your time today. That was wonderful. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Take care. This is Ruthie Fierberg from Why We Theater on the Broadway Podcast Network. And I am so excited to be talking to producer Scott Sanders about the In the Heights film that we've all been waiting for. Yes, Good morning, Ruthie. Scott. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Nice to see you. Nice to speak to it with you. And nice you want to know what... This is this is coming full circle for me personally, because back in 2009, I worked for the producing office, Kevin McComb and Jeffrey Seller, who were the producers of the Broadway musical yes, on yes. stage. So now to get to talk to you about producing the movie is super exciting. <laughs> well, I, I agree with you. I happen to be fortunate enough to both see it off Broadway. And then uh, I was a guest of those folks on um opening night on Broadway and was so blown away by the freshness of it and, and the energy of it. And I really loved that Jeffrey and Kevin and Jill, you know, took it from off Broadway and said, yes, there is a, there is a space for this story. And there is a room, there's room to tell stories of characters that some of us haven't seen before. And obviously Lynn created a score that none of us had ever heard before and really turned Broadway on its ear. So it was so exciting. A couple of years later, I was on a set in Atlanta making a movie for Disney and Lynn was an actor in the movie. And he came over to me one day and said, hey, another studio was going to make In the Heights as a movie and they've decided not to make it. Would you like to produce it? 
And of course, I was so flattered and honored. And I said, yes, I think I think In the Heights would make a beautiful movie. Of course, I'd love to do it. And then it was interesting that about a year before that, I was having breakfast in LA with a young John Chu, who was, mm. a, who was a, a burgeoning filmmaker. And, uh, and I was so impressed with his vision and his energy and his passion for music and storytelling and heart-filled stories and and dance really. And so I filed a little note in my head back in those days. Oh, I wonder whether John Chu would be a great director for a Broadway show or a musical film one day. So here I am with Lynn and he said, what about you producing this movie? And I said, what about John Chu as the director? And he said, you're not gonna believe this, but Vanessa, my wife and I had our first date scene step up. We love John Chu. So it was, it was again, isn't it back in those days for me too. And so I'm so thrilled to be here all these years later, finally being able to ready to put this movie out for the world to see. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that story. I, you know, it's funny. I was watching um, the other day, the Howard Ashman documentary on Disney plus. Oh, isn't that great? Known as Howard. And there's a question in there. I think they're at the 92 Y that's asks him about making movie musicals. And he says, you know, doing it in animation, I think is one of the only ways it actually works um, because the characters can take this on. And I think making movie musicals is, you know, I think I'm crazy to have done little shop or I'm crazy to attempt to do anything right, else. Right. So what to you, um, you know, we've seen major successes and major flops in the movie musical genre. Um, but if this trailer is any indication in the Heights is going to be a success, I mean, it is vibrant. It is, it feels epic already. So tell me about making an adaptation that feels like theater, but is on film. Well, it, it's obviously both an ex exhilarating and exciting opportunity. It's also an intimidating and challenging opportunity to do that, particularly when you think about Lynn and Chiara adapting their own work for, for cinema. But, you know, if I think back about all the stories that I've ever told as a producer, they have to have heart. I mean, that's what attracts me to a particular project at any given time. And there's so much heart in In the Heights and there's so much joy in In the Heights and there's so much uh, sense of authenticity and stories of people that you might not be so familiar with. And so I remember when we, when we got started on this that <clears throat> the ambition was to do something new and fresh that people had never seen before and take that germ of what Lynn and Kiara created off-Broadway, then on Broadway, and they were groundbreaking in both of those, those instances. And it was up to us to now make the movie groundbreaking yet mm -hmm. again. And I think back to, I mean, I'm sure we've both seen every musical film that's ever been done. And uh, as you <laughs> said, some work better than others. I think back to when, when I sat in Times Square on in the balcony of a movie theater one night and saw Moulin Rouge for the first time. And mm -hmm. Baz Luhrmann's work and vision blew my mind. His, his use of, of visuals, his, 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 his use of 50 composers to create a score, no one had ever done that before. 
And here we have a musical that Lynn and Chiara wrote that was also groundbreaking. Okay, now what are we going to do in the film version to, to continue that thread? And John Chu really was the secret sauce of that. And he, mm. he had a vision for how to make magic with this story at the same time, keeping it grounded, but also bringing some magical realism into the storytelling. Um, the casting, it was imperative from all of us from day one that we bring fresh faces to this movie, that mm -hmm. we bring real representation of Latin culture from around the world in our cast, that we bring actors from the neighborhood, that we bring some actors from Broadway into the movie, that we really make Washington Heights a character in yes. the movie and really show it off in, a, in the most beautiful way. We had the resources, fortunately, to be able to shoot for all those weeks in Washington Heights on the streets in a very hot summer, some days with big giant thunderstorms in the middle of the day that interrupted our filming and delayed our shooting. Oh yes. But all of that I think was, there was an intention in the ambition from day one. And I think it's been realized and I'm really excited that this movie musical I think is unlike anything anyone's ever seen before. And I, I have to give credit to, again, the vision and the ambition, and then everyone behind the scenes that supported us being able to make that happen. Yeah. And what was it like combining, you know, I think sometimes you bring the entire main creative team over so that you have the DNA from the original. Sometimes you bring in an entirely fresh crew, but it is, you decided to mix it up, keeping Lynn and Kiara but getting John and Christopher Scott as your choreographer, yes. how is it to be the leader of that hybrid team? Well, I, I mean, I would love to tell you that it, you know, it took a lot of skill and talent, but honestly, everyone was on that same page from day one. I mean, it, from, from the very beginning, it was like, all right, this is a, this is a wonderful, well-received uh, musical with lots of fans around the world. Mm -hmm. And now we have to put that, aside for a minute and think about it in a whole new art form. And everyone moved in that direction immediately. And it was great to bring some of the original members of the creative team, including its authors, as key participants in that adaptation, but also to bring fresh blood and fresh eyes and fresh ideas. Um, and, and again, that also is represented in the casting behind the camera, in front of the camera. And uh, and so it was great. It was it was really great to, to sort of mix the world of movies and theater and music all together and make this magical film. And it looks like, you know, there are some script changes. Um, seeing in the trailer, because I haven't yet seen a screener, but seeing in the trailer that Usnavi is like telling a story about the heights. Tell me about that decision um, and how we see that play out in the film. Well, you know, there's obviously there's more, way more cast members in the movie than there was on stage. And so um, we have some some younger kids in the movie that were um, that were not in the stage version. And Kiara came up with a conceit of Usnavi telling a story uh, she also came up with several new story arcs for some of the characters to make this fresh story 
even fresher for mm. today's audiences. And I think if you saw the musical on stage and loved it, you're hopefully gonna really love this um, adaptation in the film as it gets opened up and expanded in many ways, um, but still honors the original completely. And, and if you've never seen In the Heights and you've never seen a, a musical on stage or even a movie musical before, I think you're gonna love it as a movie because I think it's a great story, great characters, great energy, great eye candy, amazing score, beautiful direction and choreography. And, uh, but really at its core, it's a great story. And no matter where you live around the world, whether you even know what Washington Heights is, if you've never even visited New York before, I think what this last year has taught all of us is we're all part of a community. We're all part of a family. We've all been separated from our community and our family in many instances this past year. And so we realize the importance of what community means. And whether you live in Asia or South America or North America, a community is a community. And so this microcosm of Washington Heights, I think really represents what it feels like to be part of a group of folks that and a family and, and what you go through, the ins and outs and the ups and downs of that. And I find it very encouraging. And I think, you know, my, my favorite song in the score is, is Just Breathe. And ah. I, I think about Nina singing Just Breathe. And I think about how I feel right this moment, which is, oh my God, we're all gonna just be able to breathe again. <sighs> That's very real. Well, Scott, as a fan of the musical, as someone who lives in Washington Heights, I am so excited for this. Thank you so much for your work on it. And thank you for your time. Thank you, Ruthie. Appreciate your support. Absolutely. Welcome to Take a Bell. I'm your host, Eli Tokash. I was able to do a little interview with Gregory Diaz curtain up. So Gregory, what does it mean to you to be a part of such an incredible story as in the Heights, um, and just an important story to tell. In the Heights holds so much to it, you know. It's um, there's really a lot of important themes and messages that I hope portray to the audience and those who just leave watching the film, like um, the concept of home and dreaming, and just that home and community and unity. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, everybody knows this, of course, but in the Heights is a star-studded cast. It's incredible uh, with legends of both the theater and movie industry involved in the project. Uh, what What is it like to work and learn from the cast every day? It was such a great experience coming into a film with, like you said, such a, a list of iconic actors and actresses and really with certain people like Jimmy Smith and coming into work with people like John and Lynn I really got right. to pull different parts and bits and pieces from all of them that I still usually know in my career. That's awesome. Uh, I mean, you have a, a sort of a background in, you know, more of a background in theater as you were on Broadway and Matilda and everything like that. Like, how cool is it to kind of combine the, the love you have for theater uh, and do it on the screen? It was great. I honestly never thought that I would get the opportunity to do something yeah. And I have such a deep and loving passion for both film, but also Broadway. So to be able to really combine those and be a part of such a great film that I think combines them both really well. It was amazing. 
what is what was it like to like film during the pandemic um actually we didn't we filmed it was two years ago that we filmed okay it was the summer of 2019 okay yeah uh, so so you were it was this was pre-pandemic that's awesome um so okay do you have like a favorite memory of filming favorite memory honestly every day was so great but i would have to say probably one of the most memorable memories i have was the three days of filming ninety six thousand. oh yeah the energy was so high and those three days we had some trouble with the weather it was raining a lot but anytime that we could get we were just hopping back in the pool or getting that camera out and just rolling so you obviously play usnavi's uh like little cousin so what was it like to just like be with Anthony Ramos and like kind of get like that whole like learning experience? I'm sure it was like a workshop every day. What was it like to just work with him really close? Anthony's great. My first experience beating him was actually for my director's session. Um, Anthony was in the room and I, I was reading one of my scenes with him. And it just immediately, as soon as I saw him, like on the inside, I'm here like fangirling. But yeah. on the side, I was like, all right, like I've got to keep my cool and like <laughs> do what I've got to do. Um, Absolutely. Anthony, he, he's such a great guy. He's like, honestly, like a big brother figure in my life. That's awesome. Do you, do you notice like a big difference from the movie to the musical? There are some aspects. Um, uh-huh. Honestly, a lot of it is, is the same. There's there, the people that have seen the Broadway show or heard about it, they'll definitely be able to connect with you. Yeah. What are you hoping that audience get out of the seeing the movie the most? I just want people to walk away, you know, feeling excited and the Latinx community to walk away feeling represented and proud to be who they are. But honestly, just everybody to walk walk home um, with those main themes of the film, like home and Although we are talking about Washington Heights, which is an individual place in New York, home is anywhere. You know, home could be uh, across the globe if you're watching it. Yeah. Are you are you happy like that this is finally coming out in this current state of the world that we're in? It's so relevant. Um, are you like excited to be a part of the representation for the Latinx community and all of that? Yeah, I definitely, of course. I, I mean it was originally supposed to come out in 2020, but mm-hmm. of course we had the pandemic. So uh, we decided it would make more sense if we pushed it back. And cause we really just wanted it to be a film that people saw in theaters because there's just something about going to the theaters and the whole experience that just kind of makes it so much more grand to go see a movie. But also with the representation, I find it, really important and like you said uh this is a really important time to push a film like this especially with certain things that are going on in the political climate i think it's gonna be great amazing thank you so much thank you eli this is alan seals with the theater podcast here now is my conversation with stars from in the heights leslie grace melissa barrera and Corey hawkins alan how are you doing? Let me put you in gallery mode. There we go. Now I can see all of you. Good. Alan. <laughs> Let's go. 
Thank you all for doing this. I am so excited to to see the film. Uh, it looks incredible. And I actually want to start out, obviously, coming from the Broadway Podcast Network. Uh, my background is in theater and in the Heights. Of course, we all know where it comes from, the background and the theater overlap it has there. But all of you, uh, well, Melissa and Corey specifically, you both have very specific theater backgrounds. Corey, you even have a Tony nomination. And Leslie, you have a slightly different background coming from the singer-songwriter world. I was wondering what it's like on set, given your various backgrounds, approaching the film of this iconic musical, knowing that this still needs to keep keep its theatrical roots. So Melissa, let's start with you. Um I I don't I don't know how to answer that question because this is my first experience doing a musical movie. So everything that we did just seemed like this is how things are supposed to be done in like doing a shooting a musical movie. But what I appreciated was that we got a lot of rehearsal time, more than you normally get when you're doing theater. Um, we got 10 weeks of rehearsal, obviously, because the scope of the movie and the size of the numbers and the number of dancers in each movie, in each, in each musical number was crazy. Um, and so we needed that time. And I'm so happy that we got it because it, it really helps to like get into the character and the, you know, the bond that we all established while we were spending so much time together in rehearsals really helped to, to, you know, make the relationships within the characters and then the love that's there, this community that grew up together and they know each other for their entire lives to like be so real. And I think you can, that, that like comes across on the screen. Um, but it was, it was very similar to doing theater in a lot of ways. Um, but the pressure, I think, of of knowing that you get one chance to do it right because they're going to pick one take and that's the take that's going to live forever is a different kind of pressure than like live theater. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Corey, what about you? Yeah, there is that thing of with, with live theater because you get to go on stage and mess up. You know, you get to be messy and you get to be um you get to forgive yourself <laughs> for a performance that night that just wasn't where you thought it should have been or whatever and and then you get to come back and kind of do it all again um and there is there was the luxury of being able to um to to rehearse you know and to really just play and to go and i think that's my favorite part of any process is when you and i think more directors <laughs> and more you know they should allow more time for rehearsals on certain projects because i think it 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 definitely um gives you the space to breathe and in the space to to fall into whatever that is and then you shoot as much as you can um, and then you, you give it away, you know, at the end of the day, there is still that, that giving it away. Um, you give it away to your director who we trust inherently in your creators, um, the creative team to kind of put, put the right thing, um, the right story together that feels the best that has the right heart, but you got to give them all the options. You know, you have to play first and then give them all of that. And so, there is a bit of a, you know, people are like, oh, well, you like film better or, or theater better. But this experience was definitely, I felt like the best of both worlds um, mm -hmm. uh, because we got to to sort of do it all with the best of the best of the best and an incredible cast. Yeah, yes. amen. Yeah, Leslie, what about your side? Yes, I agree with what both Mel and Corey said. And it's interesting, even though I don't have a 
theater background, um, I correlated like that, that time that we did get to play um, in rehearsals and pre-production time to like being able to find it on stage, you know, and in, in my performance, in my musical performances. And um, you, it is a, a different level of, of pressure to, you know, have in the back of your head, this is going to live forever. The take that they choose is going to live forever. So the, the the rehearsal process was, I think, really important for all of us to like in a, every choreo uh, session for us to like also keep in mind the scene that we were in and, you know, for all of these big numbers and like how your character is moving through all of these dance moves. And it's a lot, lot to navigate through and piece together. Um, but I, I, I tried also to just keep in mind that you know, we we all have our our strengths from our previous backgrounds, and they all kind of because it was the best of both worlds. They all kind of came into play um, for our characters and what we were there to do for this for this musical adaptation. So it, it was like the best of both worlds performance, live performance, um, which we did some of that while shooting as well, and you know, also capturing that one moment that's going to live on screen forever, and you know, finding it. I love that. And this movie is also, I think, another well-needed well milestone towards bringing representation and diversity uh, into the world, into mainstream film, of course, which will undoubtedly have a trickle-down effect into our local Broadway scene. So so how do, how do you each hope that the film's release is going to sort of affect the awareness and, uh, within representation in our community, especially now as Broadway's just now starting to come back? So Leslie, let's start with you on this one. Um, I'm sorry. What was that again? How do you how how do we hope that the film, is... like the the film, is is a milestone towards representation yes. in 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 mainstream media anyway, and it's going to have a trickle down effect into the Broadway community, which right now historically is just underrepresented and having lots of of issues. Yeah. So how, how do you hope that the film's release is going to tie back to improving representation in Broadway? I mean, I hope that people um, just take this as a, a proof of concept that, you know, you can have incredibly brilliant, you know, people of color who make something that is felt and that is beautiful and that um, also the process of it was was incredible. And um, we, you know, Mel says all the time, like, it shouldn't it shouldn't be so rare that we you know it's amazing that we we get to celebrate how amazing this experience was for all of us but it's almost kind of like sad that it doesn't happen more often and we all really hope that this movie and what people take from this film is not only the beauty of the story of in the heights that is so already so beloved um in the theater community but that they also take the story of like the fact that this production happened and it was you know taken, you know, to the highest scale and that you're seeing people that look like us on the big screen and it's showing the world that um, that is possible, you know, young boys and girls that it is, it you do have a place in Hollywood um, and that there are roles for you um, in, in on stage and on screen. So I, I think that is what the, we hope that that's what the trickle effect is. Um, and, and that's like the purpose behind, the biggest purpose I think behind why we all felt so uh, connected to to this project. I love that. Mel, what do you think? I mean, I think it definitely is going to be um, a before and after, I think, in the industry of this movie because we haven't seen anything like this in a really long time. 
And if we have, it hasn't been with the support of a, of a major studio like Warner Brothers. Like it really is a beautiful thing to see how Warner Brothers is backing and believing in our movie because it makes us feel like our story is important and our voices are important. And, and I think in this moment in time where we're finally not staying quiet and being loud and, and calling for representation and for being allowed to tell our stories. And I feel like Broadway has always been a little bit more diverse in many ways because in, in the theater, you get away with casting uh, diverse roles, you know? And, but, but what I, I have noticed is that that openness of casting in Broadway sometimes falls within the confines of, of like whitewashing or like casting Latin looking people, Latin looking people in Latin roles, even though they're actually not Latin. Mm -hmm. And that's been done a lot, not just with Latin roles with other, other um, ethnicities as well. So I think it's like time for Broadway to also step in and be like, okay, let's, Let's try and cast authentically and give opportunities and give the people who that story belongs to the opportunity to tell it. Oh. And, and so I think that um, hopefully our movie opens many doors, but also is a wake up call to the theater community. Um, and, and, you know, like you said, a milestone making strides in the, in the, in the right direction so that, so that the people that have been overlooked and have not been given opportunities get them. I love that. And that's such a beautiful place to end. I want to thank the three of you so much for taking the time. And I know this is a busy day for you across the board. So uh, just thank, thank, you. thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for everything you do. And just know that I, I think you are helping to change the world with this movie. This is one step that we desperately need. Thank you. Thank you. ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.